Good tidings, everybody, and welcome to the secret and some report number three, the third episode in the shortest running Ansome Report podcast. That's right. There's two Ansome Report podcasts now, and this one's the shortest running. The other one, longest running, MDA award winning. This one's just kind of, just kind of a, a show. It's just kind of a show. So, anyway, welcome. Thank you to everybody who has been super nice and said a lot of nice things about the first two episodes, which I recorded a couple weeks ago now at this point. Uh, this has been a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Like, I, I thought it was a good idea, but I was like, you never know how something's going to be received. And also, like, after recording it and editing it and getting it up, even before you guys watched it, I was like, man, I want to do that again. That, that's fun. And then just the response that we've received has been uh, really awesome. So thank you. Uh, if you don't know what this is, if for some reason you're tuning in on episode three, basically this is a mailbag. And I'm not going to waste time explaining what a mailbag is because apparently I shouldn't have done that. Apparently I should not have explained what a mailbag is because I was offending all the Zoomers and the and the Gen Z. The, the Gen Z that's the same as Zoomers, but the Millennials and the Boomers. And I, I offended everybody. So I will not explain to you what a mailbag is, but I will say that a mailbag is is not necessarily me opening things. It's not a mailbag in that sense. Some people are like, oh, Mike's opening things he got sent. No, that's not that's not what a mailbag is. But I, I'm not going to explain more what it is. I got a couple topics I want to talk about this week before I get into, like, you, your guys' topics. Uh, first one is go Lions, baby. Let's fucking go. The Detroit Lions are in the NFC Championship. This is a huge deal. For a lifelong disgruntled Lions fan like myself and all the other Lions fans out there, we beat the Rams in the first round. We beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield in the second round. And now we're going up against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. Very exciting stuff. I love Dan Campbell. I think he's a great coach. He's a leader of men. He yells and screams and he beats his chest. And it's, he's the exact coach that the Detroit Lions need. My guy, Amon Ross St. Brown. They're just, this team is just full of players that are easy to root for because they're tough guys who don't take shit from anybody, and and everybody does what they need to do on every play. You'll see anytime someone else is scoring a touchdown, you'll see guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds blocking down the field for them in a meaningful way. Uh, there's a lot of There's been a lot of clips this year of other teams where, like, not to not to pick on him, but like George Pickens just decided not to block on a play. You know what I mean? Like, do you see a lot of that? And you never see that with the Lions. Everybody gives their all. If I had hair, I'd dye it Honolulu blue right now to, to match my guy, Amon Ra, who's just an absolute stud and has proven everybody who didn't draft him uh, before a different. Like, they, he has that list of the wide receivers that he uses to motivate him. Like, hey, these guys were all drafted before me. I'm going to show them. And he's doing it. And it's incredible. And. Uh, David Montgomery is 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 a uh, is a beast. Jameer Gibbs had a hell of a game and proved you know kind of indicated the Lions when everybody was like, why would you draft a running back that early? Why didn't you just draft Bijan Robinson? Blah blah blah. No, Jameer Gibbs is the guy. The defense has played very well. There's some real studs on the defense. Everybody, it's just a really good team to watch. And regardless if we beat the 49ers or not, it's been a very successful season, and I'm excited to see what they do next. I do think they're going to give the 49ers. Uh, more than they can handle. I, I, I really hope that, that we play a competitive game and we win. Um, Cause seeing the Lions in the Super Bowl would be something I didn't think we would ever see. And so 
it's very exciting as as a Lions fan. Tara and I have been watching every Sunday, and uh, Tara, Tara will jump up and like do do a dance when they you know, and it's just so fun. It's been so fun. So shout out to Detroit Lions. Good luck this weekend. You guys got another thing that's happening this weekend that I want to talk about is the WWE 2024 Royal Rumble. It's on Saturday at 8 p.m. It starts, and I kind of want to do, you know, it's tomorrow when you guys are seeing this. Maybe give like a, say, hey, you know, this here's what I think is going to win. So with the Women's Rumble, it could go a number of different ways. I think it's probably going to be Becky Lynch because they want Becky Lynch to challenge Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Uh, Last year they did Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, and it was considered the women's match of the year. I think they want to do kind of a, a a repeat where Rhea is continuing to dominate, but also have these really competitive matches against these uh, very talented and popular uh, women's wrestlers. And uh, Becky and Rhea haven't really collided as of yet in the WWE, and so I think that's what they're going to go for. I could see a scenario where Bailey wins it. They've they've been teasing. Bailey kind of getting turned on by the rest of uh, Damage Control and Bailey winning and challenging Io Sky, but I don't know if they set up that storyline in the right way yet for that to pay off. So probably not. So I'm 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 gonna predict Becky Lynch for the men's Rumble. There's been some things that have thrown kind of wrench into this. Uh, first of all, The Rock. The, the, okay, let, let me explain. So if you don't know, and, and if you don't like wrestling, you can skip ahead. I, that's fine. I get it. But some of you like wrestling, and so I'm gonna give you my opinion here. So the original thing last year, Cody Rhodes comes back, wins the Royal Rumble. People think he's going to dethrone Roman Reigns. He ends up losing. Everybody's shocked. Then they go, okay, next WrestleMania, it's going to be Cody. So the idea was Cody would win the Rumble again and then go and finish the story and beat Roman. But a couple things have happened recently that have kind of thrown a wrench into that. One, The Rock. The Rock and Roman Reigns is a match that has been teased on and off for a long time due to The Rock's successful film career and not really being a full-time WWE guy. And it seems like they're finally headed that direction, and that would kind of put the brakes on Cody's story uh, if that happens at WrestleMania. The Rock today was just announced as a board member of TKO, which is the new company that they formed when uh, the UFC holding company bought uh, WWE and they formed a new company called TKO and he just was put on the board of TKO and so there's a lot of like oh my gosh Cody no uh, so th- they could have The Rock versus Roman a lot of people would argue that that match doesn't need the title right and they could have Roman drop the title but in order to do that it would have to be at the Royal Rumble and he's in a fatal four way match with Randy Orton, LA Knight and AJ Styles and I just don't I could see them dropping the title to Randy and then Cody could win the Rumble still and face Randy because they have some history. Um, and then The Rock could fight Roman Reigns. The problem is that doesn't really that's not really the story they were telling, right? That's If Cody goes and beats Randy Orton while they have history, that's not the same as him conquering and going in and taking the title off Roman Reigns. So that's kind of whack. Um, they could have Cody win anyway and do a triple threat with The Rock. I've heard that as a rumor. Uh, but the other thing that's thrown a wrench into this is the return of CM Punk. Who has made no uh, no is made it no secret that he also wants to win the rumble, but he at that point would challenge Seth Rollins because they have their beef. Uh, but Seth Rollins also recently came down with a pretty pretty severe knee injury, 
and he's not going to be able to wrestle till at, 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 people are saying he'll make it back for WrestleMania, but it's not. It's a tight window. It's not necessarily a fact. I think he tore his MCL and his meniscus, uh, and that's tough. So uh, he he just he showed up on Raw this week and said that he's going to be at WrestleMania. I, I who knows. So my actual prediction is that Cody wins the Rumble again. He wins two in a row. He's the He'd be the fourth guy to do that. Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Cody Rhodes. He wins two Rumbles in a row, and whatever the ro- happens with The Rock happens anyway, and they figure that out, whether it's a triple threat or whatever. I think CM Punk gets screwed out of winning by Seth Rollins in some way, setting up their, their deal. Um, you also have a couple wild cards like Gunther. Gunther uh, went bell-to-bell last time. He was the first entrant and went all the way till Cody eliminated him at the end of the Rumble last year and was pretty impressive and people like him a lot. Uh, I, I couldn't, I can't really see him winning. I, I just don't think they're ready for that. I think he's going to run into Brock Lesnar in the rumble and that's going to set them up for WrestleMania. Cause a lot of people want to see that match. So I guess what I'm saying, my prediction is that Cody wins still. And uh, we'll see what they do after that on the road to WrestleMania. Anyway, that was my nerd wrestling talk. Let's move on to things that you guys want me to talk about. And if you want me to talk about a specific topic, you can go on our Discord. Link is in the description below and uh, say, hey, talk about this. Or, hey, what do you think of this? Or when's the last time that you felt satisfied after taking a poop? You can you can uh, whatever you want to write in there. I promise I will get to every question. I appreciate everybody that's put questions in Discord. You can also email me at ansomreportpodcast at gmail.com. And in the subject, put secret answer report, please. Um, I will get an address to every topic in some way. There's a lot of them. I have a list I've made over here of what I'm going to do for this episode. And then I have a list of things I haven't addressed yet. So I will eventually, even if it's like a shit post question, I will eventually address your questions. It might not be in the way you want. It might be a monkey's, monkey's paw situation where I just say, fuck you. I don't know. But, uh, I will, I will get to it. So speaking of that, we have a question from Corn. Shout out to Corn, my favorite uh, Wizard 101 streamer. And she asks, is there a piece of advice that you can offer for any game that could improve someone's playability? This is a great question. And I actually have experienced this myself recently. I've been playing Hades, and I really love Hades, and I've played Hades since release. Um... I decided recently, you know, Tara and I have both been gaming together a lot where we just sit, play separate games, but we're sitting there together while playing. We have two TVs set up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start playing Hades, and I'm going to go towards that Platinum Trophy. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not very good at the game. (laughs) I get hit a lot. I'm not very good at dodging. I try. Sometimes I impress myself. But most of the time, if I fail a run, it's not because my setup was bad it's because i got lazy and didn't dodge when i should have and just was like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tank this i'm you know that kind of stuff and i started to get frustrated because i wasn't really getting a lot of dubs i beat the game before i beat hades before um but i i just was getting to the end and then he was killing me or even like the bosses in elysium were killing me and i went and i was like i would enjoy this more with god mode on and if you don't know what God Mode is in Hades, basically they give you 20% damage reduction 
when you have God mode on, and then every time you fail, it adds another 2% damage reduction up to 80%. So it makes the game infinitely easier. And what they did that was smart is it doesn't affect trophies. It doesn't affect any unlocking. It's so people can get through the game and play, you know, get through the story that they want to get through. I'm having so much more fun now that I turned on God mode. And I know that's sacrilegious to some of you. I know that you'll go, wow, Mike, not a real gamer. But that's my advice, is if there's some way to play a game that makes it more fun for you personally, don't let the outside pressure of, oh, you have to do it a certain way or play a certain way uh, stop you from playing the game how you want to play it. And, you know, we'll all joke about it. We all make jokes like, you're playing like that. But at the end of the day, video games are a hobby that you do for your own personal enjoyment. And if you're not enjoying it, then either stop playing the game or look at other options to make the game more fun for you. And I know some people like that frustration. They like the frustration and then finally having that comeuppance of like, I beat this, right? And I like that too, to a certain extent. But I don't, if I'm not going to be able to make the progress myself, I think it's okay to turn on an option or do something different. And that's my advice. So, Corn, great question. Thank you. Uh, Frank says, give us the inside scoop about working on a cruise ship. I've heard some interesting things about cruise crews. Give us some of your highs and lows and what some of the craziest shit you heard about that went down. Okay. So, um, about 16 years ago, when I was 20 years old, I worked on a cruise ship in Hawaii uh, for about six to eight months. Somewhere in there. Uh, I guess I, I've talked about this a little bit, but I'll kind of tell the story for anybody who hasn't, who hasn't heard, and then we'll get into what Frank was kind of asking. Um, I had lost my, I was you know just out of high school, really no direction. At one point I was going to join the Navy, and then that fell through because I didn't want to do it. And, you know, I wasn't going to go to college, but I kind of wanted to go to college, but I didn't know what I would go for, so I didn't want to waste money. So I was just kind of working like dead-end jobs um, after high school. And I got fired from one. I was a I was a shift manager at a fast food restaurant, and the the owner was just over me. And I wasn't I wasn't a good shift manager. You know what I mean? I I stealing food, you know, sitting around, not getting stuff done. You know, just typical coming in late, typical shit you do when you're a teenage kid. After I got fired, I was 19, and I was like, man, I got to find a job because you know my dad's not just gonna let me live at home and not pay you know, rent or, or have a job. Right. And so I started looking around and I was talking to my sister and she goes, Hey, I know this girl who was just a waitress on a cruise ship and it seemed, it sounded pretty fun and interesting. Maybe you want to do that. I'm like, okay. So I looked up the company that she worked for and sure enough, they were having a job fair in my town two weeks from then. So I talked to one of my buddies. I said, Hey man, we should do this. And he's like, yeah, we should do this. So we went to the job fair. We both got jobs. I had restaurant experience, so they put me in the galley. And then he was going to work like um, uh, stu- steward stewarding, I think is what they called it, but basically like bag retrieval and like bringing stuff to rooms and stuff. And then, um, you know, there were some steps you had to take. In order to work on a cruise ship, you have to have your Merchant Mariner's license, which basically means you took classes by the Coast Guard that um, 
allow you to be a lifeguard and a firefighter. Because when you're on a cruise ship, they don't have just firefighters sitting around. They don't have people that operate the boats. The crew are the same people that do those things, right? So you have to be trained. And so um, I got this job. And then months pass, and I just haven't heard anything. Uh, they they flew me out pretty quickly to Boston to apply for my Merchant Mariners because that was the closest place I could go to apply, and you have to apply before you get it. So I went and applied. It was like it was so stupid. They flew me to Boston for four hours, and it took an hour. So they they shuttle you there. You sign up. They shuttle you back to the airport. So I sat around the airport for three hours waiting to go home. Uh, but then I didn't hear anything for for months. To the point where my dad was like, hey, is this job even a real thing? So, like, I'm talking, I'm talking, like, six to eight months. I just sat at home waiting for this job. And I would, like, you know, part of me was being a stupid, irresponsible kid where I was like, I'm not going to go find a new job. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave for this job. I already committed to this job. My friend bailed during that time. He wanted His mom wanted him to go to school. That's fine, whatever. Uh, so then finally, they're like, hey, we're going to ship you out to training on this day. So it was real. I, I, I left in... I want to say it was August or September. And so I turned 20 during that time. Or no, it wasn't that late. It was in the summer. Anyway, so I went to Maryland and had two weeks of training uh, at um, the Coast Guard or whatever it's called there. But uh, lifeguard training, firefighting training, uh, uh, food safety training, like any training you would need to work and and met a bunch of people there i had a class there was a class of like 20 to 30 people and then we all got flown out to uh hawaii to work on the cruise ship uh the uh, if our my flight was from maryland to chicago and then chicago to honolulu and that is like the worst longest flight i've ever been on it was in one of those big planes that you know it has four seats on each aisle and then in the middle there's like seven or eight seats and i was smack dab in the middle and i had no money because I had waited so long for this job. So I couldn't buy any food on the plane. And so I just tried to sleep. I woke up with this guy using my shoulder, this grown man never met before, using my shoulder as a pillow. And I like, you know, pulled my arm out. And it was just like, it was terrible. Uh, but working on the cruise ship, to, to get to what Frank was kind of asking me, is, uh, is interesting. So basically you work, what people typically do is they sign a five or six month contract and then go home for two or three months and then come back on another five or six month contract. And uh, so they, they have basically it's like a town of just staff and they put you in these uh, four people rooms. But when I say four people rooms, it's smaller than this area I'm sitting in right now where they have bunk beds and then like, you know, three feet of room in between them. And then there's a small lounge area with like a love seat and a TV and a fridge. And then there's the bathroom where the toilet is in the shower. So it's a very small room and you sh- you have three roommates and uh, varying ages that um, it was mostly people in their, in their early twenties to uh, early thirties, but there were a few people that were like in their forties or fifties working on this cruise ship. And so it was pretty insane um, for me to be 20 years old, not legally allowed to drink. And, and in the, you know, it was, it's it's definitely the bravest thing I've ever done as far like I can't imagine I I think I'd have so much anxiety now just traveling by myself to um uh, you know Hawaii is a part of the United States but it's ostensibly culture wise a different country almost right uh and and working on a ship 
at, in this all this little community. Um, I used to. This is incriminating myself at this point, but I don't I don't care. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Lines can come after me if they want. But my job was a galley steward, which gave me they paid me more money because I had restaurant experience, but basically did, they were just having me do a regular galley job because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But my first job was working in a bar, uh, an outdoor bar. And so all you had to wash was cups. It was sick, right? So I would just put all the bar cups in a rack, push them through the dish machine, put them, you know, it was really easy. Um, so that's what I did for the first couple months. And I got in this routine that's really terrible. So the time clock was right outside my room. And then I'd get on the elevator to go up to where I worked, like 10 floors or whatever. And so we were in port. The, the, basically, the way the ship worked is you started in Honolulu on Monday, and then you went around to all the islands and ended up in Honolulu again on Monday, and then they cleaned the ship and went out the next night. So it was, there was no breaks. But we would be overnight two nights a week, once in Maui and once in Kauai. And so what I, would, I worked 8 to 8 every day, 12 hours, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And when we were, you know, by the time 8 p.m. rolls around, if we weren't staying overnight in port, we were already on the ocean again. So I only really got to see uh, Maui and Kauai, which great places to see, but I didn't really get to see the other two islands um, or Honolulu, really, to be honest. And I, what I would do is I would get off the ship at 8 p.m. My uh, 30-something roommate, who was just like a really nice guy, but just like the most like... Owen Wilson drifting on people's couches ass motherfucker that you could imagine, right? Like the character that Owen Wilson plays in movies, like at least when he was younger, is this guy. He was from West Virginia. He had this Southern drawl. He was a, you know, charming, good looking dude. But you could tell he just like kind of floated through life, you know? For example, he was a pest control on the cruise ship. Pest control on a cruise ship. How many pests do you think they get? Not a lot. Also, never had worked in pest control before. He just kind of got the job. So this motherfucker, and I know I'm off on a tangent again. I've been on tangent after tangent in this story. But he would, uh, he worked um, nights. So there was two pest control people on each ship. And one guy was the day shift and one guy was the night shift. And he was the night shift. So what he would do is he would be on call. And he'd go to sleep with his phone next to him, his on-call phone. And then during the day, he would just leave, go party in Hawaii, do whatever he wanted to, right? But at night, he would just sleep during his shift because he didn't need to do anything because it was pest control on a cruise ship. So he had it made. I was really pissed off because my job sucked. Uh, But before he started that routine, he would, like, go off with me uh, on nights that we could. And he would buy me little, like, gray goose shooters. And I'd dump them in, like, Mountain Dew bottles and get fucked up, even though I was 20. And basically hang out till, like, 4 in the morning. And then I'd get back on the ship at 4 in the morning. And I had to work at 8 a.m. Because you'd have no days off. It was 7 days a week, 8 to 8. So I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up at around 8 a.m. I'd clock in right outside my room. And I'd go right back into my fucking room and go to sleep. Mike, how did you get away with that? Well, my sanitation supervisor was in charge of multiple galleys. And because my shift was kind of stupid, because it was a bar in the morning. Well, 
there's not very many people drinking, right? And so he would check on me last, and I'd try to make it up there before he got there, right? Because like he'd, uh, maybe like 11 a.m. he'd show up, right? But if I didn't, he would call my room and go, hey, Mike, where are you, man? And I'd go, oh, hey, you know, sorry, sorry, boss. I, I had to use the restroom. I'm coming right back up. Now, this was such a bold face, terrible lie because the dish machine wouldn't even be on and put together. So he knew, right? But he, I, w- I never really got in trouble. But I think the way that manifested is, so I loved what I was doing there because I would just party, hang out with people, do my job. Job sucked, but whatever. But then they switched me to a different galley, and I think it's because I was pulling this bullshit. And it was a galley where there was a buffet. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a buffet, but they tend to leave these metal pans with food in them for a long time so the food gets crusted on. So I was, like, cleaning crusted food in the triple sink to get all the stuff off. And then the triple sink drains didn't work properly. And they the way these cruise ships work, they don't have time to, like, fix things. There's not, like, an off day where they're like, oh, we're going to we're gonna not run the ship and fix this. So a lot of times things, mechanical things just went forever without being fixed. And these sinks sucked. And I, it, it was a terrible job. That job was awful. That was some of the worst times I ever had in my life is working 8 to 8 scrubbing pans from a buffet i'd like we'd wear these coveralls and i'd be soaked and i basically would go to the laundry room i'd go i go to my room and change bring my coveralls to the laundry room and dry them and sit there and wait for the because it was a community laundry room and wait there and sit for the dryer so i could wear them the next day i don't have a ton of like i've talked about this for a long time already i don't have a ton of like crazy stories um Anecdotally, I one of the things that and I remember calling my dad and telling me this, and he still brings this up pretty frequently. But one of one of the things that like blew my mind is that if you went to the uh, health center on the ship for staff, if you walked into the lobby, there was just a large bowl full of condoms on the on the on the um on the counter and you could just walk up and take as many as you want. And the reason for that is they were losing so many staff members to pregnancy that it was cheaper for them to provide free condoms and hope people use them. It it was, it was the wild west there. It was, it was a crazy experience. Um, I'm kind of glad actually that I wasn't, old enough to just drink because I think I probably would have got fired. You weren't supposed to be over a certain alcohol level, um, even though they had a bar in on the ship for staff. But if you're over, because of your Merchant Mariner's license, if you blew a, a certain level, then you would be stripped of your Merchant Mariner's license and kicked off the ship because you had to be ready for fire safety at any point. You had to be ready for lifeboat safety at any point. Any of that stuff, CPR, like you had to, you had to be available. So if you were drunk, you couldn't do that. So me, me coming in at like 4 a.m., drunk was a huge risk for my job especially considering i was under the age of of legal consumption so uh well i'll tell one more story i used to get away with because i again i um my work ethic at the time in in my life was pretty terrible uh there's a reason i was bouncing around and dead in jobs 
working seven days a week for 12 hours a day is tough. The only days off you got were the day before you were supposed to leave the ship and your birthday. That's it. Because it was a contract. You go on for four or five months and then you or six months, and then you worked. You're there to work, right? But man, that was tough, right? I, I, I hated that because it felt like I was just sleeping and working, sleeping and working. And so what I used to do, <laughs> they're, they're very, um, for obvious reasons, they're very concerned about sickness on these cruise ships because you're in tight quarters with people. I mean, there's a reason they got shut down during COVID, right? But one thing they're always worried about is diarrhea. Okay? They're always worried about diarrhea. So there are certain things that I can eat that will usually trigger a diarrheic response in me. Uh, I don't, my body doesn't deal with large amounts of cheese well or milk. And so I would decide, you know what? I think I need a day or two off. So if you went to the doctor and you could produce stool that was liquid in nature, because they'd make you sample, you'd get three days off in quarantine. So there were multiple times. This is insane that I'm telling you guys this because I'm going to be judged for sure. There were multiple times where I decided I was going to eat something that was going to make me my poo-poo not okay. And then I'd bring my Xbox to the quarantine room and I would just fucking game for three days straight. I did it a few times. Not enough for them to catch on, but enough for me to have some breaks here or there. So there you go. There's, there's a wild story for you, Frank. Maybe I'll tell some more later. I don't... It's been so long that there's a lot of stuff. I've probably forgotten more about the cruise ship stuff than, than I know, but I, I'll try to recollect some of it if people want more cruise ship stories. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, Cheer Theoden asks, uh, he wanted to ask us for a question of the week, but I think it fits better in this format. You know, Sora Donald Goofy's gummy ship runs on happy faces. What does your gummy ship run on? Uh, this is actually really funny because I've been thinking about this a lot as attuned to my real job. I actually run on spite. When I am told that I cannot do something uh, or that I'm not capable of doing something that lights a fire in me uh, that I don't, I don't achieve that level of, of focus and of 
you know, work. And, and I just don't achieve that on my own. I really don't. Uh, but if you tell me you're not good enough to do this, there's there's something inside me that is just like, you're going to fucking prove them wrong. And that's kind of how I've always been. Even in those days when I was like lazy, like I talked about with like the cruise ship stuff. If someone told me I couldn't do something, I was going to do it. Um, and obviously, there's things that I can't physically do, right? I can't dunk a basketball, you know, like I, stuff like that. But I'll be vague. There's a scenario at my current job where I was not necessarily told I couldn't do something. But I thought that was my role. and. I found out they were secretly, like, had an ad out for that role. Like, hey, Mike's doing a good job, but he's not the guy for this. And I found that out, and I was, you know, hurt in the moment. But what I've done now is I've proven them wrong, because that's my role now. And I'm doing a fantastic fucking job at it. So that's, that's a good example. It's and I could mostly point to it in my professional life, not necessarily like my content creation, because typically people don't just come out of nowhere and go, "You can't do this," you know. In in content creation, at least, but in professional life, that happens all the time. You get turned down. You get uh, they they just think someone else would be better, whatever it is. And I, I run on that feeling of I can prove them wrong that I'm capable of doing this and doing a damn good job of it. And so that's what my fucking gummy ship runs on. So if you guys ever want to see me do something, just tell me I can't. Now, there's also the part of me that's like, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a performing act. I'm not a monkey. You know what I mean? I'm not like, do this, ha ha ha, or you can't do this. Like I also don't like being told what to do. But if someone legitimately is like, hey, you can't do this thing you want to do, I, that, that just inspires me like nothing else. And I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know if that's, if that's good. I, I've, I've honestly wrestled in my head with that a lot. Like, is this a good thing that this is how I react to these things? I, I don't know. They'll let me know in the comments if you think that's good. All right, it's time for the album of the show. I don't know why I'm clapping. I'm clapping. All right, so quick update. Um, the first album of the show I did was uh, Take Me Back to Eden from Sleep Token. And I'll tell you, I was into that album when I recorded that. I am so into that album now. I like literally am not listening to anything else right now. I'm just obsessed with the idea of Sleep Token right now. So I just wanted to update you guys that I'm even more in on that. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about an album from last year that I was similar, similarly, I can never say similarly, right? Similarly, similarly, I was similarly uh, uh, obsessed with. And that's uh, the album So Much for Stardust by Fault Boy. I have been a Fault Boy fan since 2005 when they kind of blew up. Uh, they're one of my favorite bands. It's uh, something Tara and I really bonded over when we met because we both have a similar story. And I remember one of the first real important interactions I had with her was we ranked every Fall Out Boy song that was out at that point and sent us each other our lists, you know, just goofy, weird things. But so much, so, but I will tell you in the last decade or so, Fall Out Boy's newer stuff is fine. 
but it hasn't really caught me in the way that I want for a band that I say is one of my favorite bands until so much for Stardust. This was for me a return to form for this band. Uh, uh, it's the things I like about their their earlier catalog, but evolved. Uh, a lot of their newer stuff before this was just kind of like arena rock. Like you could tell there were a couple songs in each album. They're like, hey, we want this to play at like hockey games or in a, at a com- for a commercial bumper in between a college football game, right? And there's still a little bit of that in this album, but it's definitely more like those two worlds mixed, and I really enjoy it. Um, Fake Out is a top five Fall Out Boy song of all time to me. Uh, I, I really love that song. I think it just has supreme, like, summer sad vibes. Uh, it, it, it's an incredible song. Hold Me Like a Grudge, great song. Just just a, a great homage to Another One Bites the Dust. Uh, just, just incredible. I wish they'd play it. Pete and, and Andy would play it right live. They kind of play a weird bastardized version of it. Pete because he can't, and Andy because he's lazy. Uh, the Kentsugi Kid is another like top 10 Fault Boy song to me. I think it's so great. What a Time to Be Alive. The title track is killer. There, There's very few songs on this album I don't like. Um, Heartbreak Feels So Good is okay. It's a single. That one is more of the arena rock thing that I'm not a huge fan of. Like They, they purposely did something like that. But the whole album is just really good. Heaven, Iowa. Just just good track after good track. The worst thing about So Much for Stardust is that they put their weird their weird rewrite of We Didn't Start the Fire on the end of it as a bonus track, and that, that just wasn't it, guys. We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, I, I could probably do a whole episode talking about how much I hate that. Um, and I get what they were trying to do. It just sucks. It's not good. It's not good. But uh, if you like Fall Out Boy and you're like, hey, you know, I don't like their newer stuff, give this one a chance. Even if you do like their newer stuff, give this the, give this one a chance. I think it kind of mixes both worlds very well. And I was definitely obsessed with it um, last year, especially in the summer. Uh, so so check that one out. But like I said, my, my standout tracks are Fake Out, Hold Me Like a Grudge, and The Kintsugi Kid. Those three are just incredible tracks. All right, next question. Uh, we're going long on this one says if kingdom it's from pokemon trainer j if kingdom hearts was made for current consoles how would it be different so i kind of picked this question as like a joke because like i'm not really here to like go into like a game design document about why it would be different or whatever but i do think that one uh it would control a lot better <laughs> sorry kingdom hearts one fans uh it, it just would the platforming would be better um also, there'd be like a roguelite mode because that's everybody's doing a roguelite mode. So there'd, there'd be a roguelite mode. And um, I don't think it'd be as good. I think that the, one of the things that Kingdom Hearts 1 has going for it is that childhood-like nostalgia. And I don't even mean in the sense of nostalgia like, oh, I remember playing this when I was younger. I think even if I had just picked up Kingdom Hearts for the first time yesterday, I'd still feel that feeling of this is like so like whimsical and fun. And I think I think a lot of the later games lose that in in a way, which is okay. They're their own thing. But I think that's one of Kingdom Hearts biggest uh, the, the original game's biggest um, benefits is that 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 feeling of. Of childlike fun, you know. So I know that's probably not as in depth of an answer as you wanted Pokemon Trainer J, but. I feel like that's that's all I have to say on that. 
Water KH says, if you could make a game, what would your goal end up being? Would you want to make a rhythm game that's better than Rock Band? Complicated story kind of game? All right, so when it comes to making games, not that I've made a game before, but in my head, it's the kind of thing where it's like, do what you know, right? And I'm a big fan of like theme park simulators, like which is really funny because it's kind of what I do for my job. I don't build the parks, right? But I run a park. I run a family entertainment center, which is different from a theme park. Family entertainment centers are typically inside. They have an arcade. They'll have like laser tag. Uh, but ours is kind of a hybrid where we have an outside area that has some bigger rides. So it's like a it's like a mini theme park, I guess. So I would want to make a kind of an FEC or a mini theme park simulator. And it, in my head, it could expand to like a full theme park. Like you, you start the place as maybe it's just an arcade or whatever. And I have some, some interesting ideas with it that are like based in reality, but it's important when you're making something that's a real life thing that you don't get so steeped in the reality that you make it unfun. Right. I've, I, there's a friend at work that I've talked to you about this a little bit where I know civilization does that thing where it's like, oh, you get the great leaders, right? And you can put your great leader of artistry or, or military or whatever in a city, and it improves that city. And I think one of the big gameplay features of this game would be like, hey, that you have this specific manager on duty, and they're really good at this. So when they're there, this is going to be really good. But then maybe your other manager, because your manager can't work seven days a week, right? Maybe your other manager is poor at everything, and so you have to kind of make up for the fact that they're there. This seems like real, like I'm calling somebody out specifically. I'm not. I'm not calling somebody out specifically, but maybe when they're there, it ha- you have to like do things to make sure your park still runs okay, or fire them and fight. You know. So in my head, it was kind of like that civilization system of leaders, but you put them in, and your park runs differently depending on it. And then you could expand it up to a, like a bigger size theme park if you wanted, or you could. I don't know. It's not a fully fledged idea. Like maybe there's a mode where you go around and you franchise your park and you're building it in different areas and competing with other like brands and stuff like that. So that's kind of my thought. If I was going to make a game, which I don't think I ever am, that's the kind of game I would want to make. Uh, you bring up a different, uh, uh, interesting point in rock band. And I'm actually going to talk the next episode. I'm going to talk about rock band, but today is the last day that Harmonix is releasing DLC for Rock Band. For now. They said for now. Just because you always leave the door open. And I'm pretty upset about it, but I'm going to talk about that next episode, so stay tuned for that. Also, I don't want to make a complicated story game. Not really my thing. I'm not a story guy in games. I mean, I like a good story in games, but I'm not like... That's not like a top five component in a video game for me. A good story can really move me, but it's not its not something I look for typically. All right, final question for today from Panda. And she says, do you ever get tired of being stinky? So this is going to sound like I'm bragging. I am not typically a stinky person. And what I mean by that is unless I really worked myself up to a lather, people hate when I say that, work myself up to a lather. But unless I really work myself up to a lather, um, I don't really smell. So like there are 
I've gone, you know, I shower every day. Most every day. I haven't showered yet today. But most every day I shower. And I can typically not wear deodorant. And still smell great. Or normal, I guess. Not smell stinky. So, I don't know that I'm a stinky boy. So, I think the problem with your question, Panda, is I'm actually not that stinky. So, no, I don't get tired of being stinky. I, I am a big, big farter, though. I do a lot of farting. So, I guess I'm stinky in that way. So, th- there you go. I am, I am a stinky farter, man. And, yes, I'm sick of it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Secret Anthem Report, episode number three. This has been a blast. I appreciate you sitting there and listening to me ramble on about stuff. If you want me to ramble about something specific, go down in the Discord in the description, join, go to the Secret Anthem Report section, put it in there, or conversely, you can email me at anthemreportpodcast at gmail.com and put in the subject line, Secret Anthem Report. Also, if you're not following and you got all the way to the end of this video, please just follow or subscribe or whatever you're watching on. It really helps us out. And we will be back next week for a regular Answer Report podcast with me and Jason. But until then, uh, we'll see you guys later. I still don't have an outro. I guess I could say, may your heart be your guiding key. It seems seems like that's something else, you know? That's not... That was... We'll we'll, we'll see you later. (laughs)